rambling in Havana I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Welcome everyone to episode 53 of the Matt Jones podcast. It is, uh, we promise we try to keep it a little more consistent and we have. Today's been a busy day. We I introduced uh, in a press conference the New Kentucky Project, which you can learn more about at NewKentuckyProject.com with Adam Edlin. Adam's going to do a podcast with me later in the week where we'll talk more about it. Also, Brittany Wagner, who is the uh, academic advisor from Last Chance You on Netflix is going to be on my show. Is going to be on this podcast. I'm taping it tomorrow. I'm not sure when it'll run. Uh, and also next week, Paul Feinbaum is going to do an episode Ooh. with me. So a lot of stuff going on, which we're uh, very excited about. So be be ready. Uh, this edition, by the way, sponsored by Vistaprint.com. 500 business cards are 9.99. Except for these, you want to use the promo code Matt. Because that way the podcast gets credit for it. I mean, I like the the radio show gets credit too, but the podcast always needs your help. Five hundred business cards, nine ninety nine. You can design them. Jared Lorenzen, do you have business cards? Uh, I do, but I could always use more. Well, go to vistaprint.com. I, I think you should have a logo of yourself. If they'll let me design it, which they do, I mean, why wouldn't I? Exactly, and you, you're like, hey, I'm Jared Lorenzen. But 500 business cards, 9.99. Promo code Matt, uh, Vistaprint.com for all your printing needs, including banners, invitations, etc. Now, the reason Jared's on here is we're going to make this sort of a UK football preview podcast. Uh, with the UK football KSR crew. Now, for those of you that don't know, there's another KSR podcast feed. Well, there's actually two. There's the radio show feed, which is KSR Show, and I would venture to say most of you are subscribed to that. There's the Kentucky Sports Radio feed. It's got our old school logo on it. And on that one, the UK Football Podcast, they're on it. There's a Tyler Thompson podcast, and then we other, and then Freddie Maggard's going to do a, a podcast during the season. I'm having these guys on from the KSR Football Podcast, and you can subscribe to it uh, on Kentucky Sports Radio. Freddie Maggard, Jared Lorenzen, and Nick Roush. Uh, guys, how you doing? Great. We're uh, missing Freddie. Somebody. Uh... Yeah, Freddie, you didn't show up. I mean, you're, you've normally been a good employee. We say, hey, we're meeting at 430, and you just decide, I'm Freddie Maggard. I'm big-timing everybody. What is that about? Uh, first of all, boss, I signed up on the new Kentucky Project. Thank you, due to your uh, your speech. I enjoyed that. Well, thank you very and much. I, Don't try to suck up to me. Yeah, oh, no, hold on now, now. Now, if there's one thing I've learned with you, Matt, is sucking up's okay. It works. I agree with <laughs> you. I, I, I was misinformed. I did not know we were meeting there. I thought it was telephonic, so I apologize up front. I'm normally 30 minutes to an hour. Only early, because you signed up to the new Kentucky Project will I let you, let you go by. Now, I, I, the reason we want to have all these guys on is I want to sort of do my official UK football uh, season preview, and and these guys are the experts. But first up, before we start that, I want to start with you, Jared. You know, I, I'm interested in something that's sort of developed with you, which is what I call the former player has opinions syndrome. And I think that's great. I've always thought since you, since you played, you would be great in media, and you have been. Mm-hmm. And you've done a great job for us, and I I can't thank you enough. But part of that is if you're going to be good at that, you have to take stances. I think that's very important. And you and Freddie have both done a good job of doing that. You have been, for my take, maybe a little more negative than I would have been about this upcoming (laughs) season. But it's not like you don't love Kentucky. You're just looking at this a different way. As a former player, and you've been criticized round, uh, resoundingly by a lot of fans since the last KSR football podcast where you predicted four wins. Does that bother you when that happens? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I get And the fans, I hope, understand, you know, I love this team. And I really – I've learned something from Freddie. It, it's, it's not personal towards them. It's personnel. It's who I'm seeing. It's what I'm seeing. So, I'm looking at game by game and going – But is it personal – when the fan – like, you played – I mean, I don't know very many people that gave more of themselves to the fans. Right. And when fans are harsh on you back for something – for nothing other than the fact that you happen to disagree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've learned I've got a pretty thick skin. 
So, so I mean, I don't. I know it's out there. I trust me. I read my Twitter. I read the, the mentions. <laughs> um, but I, it's, it's just my opinion. And in order to be decent at what I do, all right, Freddie, I, hang on just a second. <laughs> you, Freddie. Freddie, I can. We can hear everything you're doing. You cannot pour <laughs> Coke in the background <laughs> while we're doing this, and it sounds like there are people doing construction in the back. <laughs> Freddie, I'm going to need you to at least, like, <laughs> attempt to be relatively quiet. Can we do that? Uh, people are performing construction, and, and I will do so. Okay, all right. Maybe, maybe move away from the construction <laughs> yeah. during this podcast. It's, it, it's Turning into a football podcast really quick. Yes, and I don't want to do that. That's your all's thing. Yes. But back to what I'm saying, so it doesn't bother No, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I have learned that when I made the transition over to media that – I'm not, I'm not a guy that's a flip-flop. I'm not yeah. Colin Coward. I'm not going to get you hyped up and then switch what I'm thinking. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking, good or bad or the otherwise. And that's just the way I'm feeling as of right now. I hope when Southern Miss comes back out, everything changes and we're all good. And, and Jared, too, after the season, he was the first one to say, hey, show me now. It, it's been rough. It's been bad. I, you've got to show me something before I can buy in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of been – reflected by the fan base since then yeah all right well I want to start with this before we get into the season because I want to do kind of big picture here Mark Stoops's time at Kentucky so far Freddie I'll start with you success or not a success I can only paint it as a success man I mean I know we want more wins last year down to the end of the season did not go as well starting out hot not going to a bowl game is not what I wanted the fans wanted the program wants but I think I look at the big picture. You have what two hundred million dollars of stadium facility upgrades. You have the recruiting as an all-time high. The roster right now is more talented than it's been in five or six years. I would consider that a success. Now he does need to win this year, but for me, looking at the big picture of things, given the limitations on the roster that he inherited and how bad that was, I would deem his going into his fourth year as a success. The stadium was going to happen anyway, but, Freddie, do you think without Stoops they get the practice facility built? No, I don't, Matt. I, I've been around this program for 30 years, and it's always been it's coming, it's coming. Uh, the Nutter Center, my freshman class moved into the Nutter Center. You're talking about the Nutter Center was relative for 10 years, a decade per se. So the next 20 years, Kentucky was falling behind in the arms race because in the Southeastern Conference, you have Alabama building waterfalls in their training, training centers, Tennessee putting a boxing ring. It's all about the flashy fishing lures, and Kentucky did not have that. So a part of me thinks that they were putting teams on the field with one hand behind their back because funds were not being replenished to the football program. Now that it is, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. That's where he, that and Eddie Graham, Matt, well, we'll, we'll, get so we'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to Eddie Green. That, Jared, that's a reason for optimism. Jared, do you think uh, do, do you consider Mark Stoops' time the be, Best coach we've had off the field. Honestly, I do believe. Right, that. Freddie, you got to get away from the construction. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm just I, hey, well, wherever you can go. Or would be hit mute. Yeah, exactly. But go uh, ahead. Uh, no, best coach we've had off the field. Um, I 1,000% agree with what uh, Freddie's been saying. The stadium, yeah, was going to happen, but it happened while he was here, so it goes under him. The uh, the new facility that they have now there, the recruiting, he's done everything that he needs to do off the field higher than any coach has ever done it. All right, so great, give me a grade. Uh, a plus. A-, a plus. A plus, off the field. If you go overall, I give him a, probably a, a, a B, B minus. Okay, Freddie, grade? I would say a B, okay. uh, Matt. Largely the same reasons that Jared said. Okay. Off the field, perfect, but on the field, we got to win. Nick, I, I you have to do the B too because of even though he's been great off the field, the times like when you brought up uh, the disorganization, which was a legitimate problem, he didn't really answer that well. I think that rubbed fans the wrong way, and I think the coaching staff he assembled at the beginning it it looked good because there's a lot of young guys, but you need the kind of uh, strong fixture like Eddie Grant in the locker room. Let me, let me ask you, this is my opinion, and I did not play football and admit to not knowing it as well as, as you guys. I believe any coaching staff is benefited by having an intellectual presence on it. It doesn't have to be everyone, but to have at least one person who is sort of an analytical thinker. I think Neil Brown was that. Yeah. He left – do you, A, agree with me 
Jared, we'll start with you, that that is helpful? And B, do you think maybe they didn't have that last year? Yeah, you definitely need somebody that thinks that way, 1,000%. And Neil probably was that guy of the entire staff. Um, And when you just replace Neil with Shannon, Shannon is not that That type of guy. No, not at all. So it does. I think you took a step back a little bit more. Hey, good for Neil. He's got his job. He was going to take that, you know, good for him. But uh, I think that's now that Shannon's gone, and now we've replaced that, and now we have that thinker again that we've needed that wasn't there, and it didn't think about, you know, the other stuff that kind of goes on. Do you agree with that, Freddie, that it's good to have someone like that? Absolutely. I think I agree with Jared that Neil was that intellectual person, and I would would say – on top of having the intellectual person, Matt, you need some experience. Yeah. <clears throat> and you need some discipline, order, and structure. And I just did not see that last year with the offense, uh, especially at the running back position. I thought the replacement or substitution pattern uh, made no sense whatsoever, and it hurt Kentucky. And I just the overall flow with the offense, you could just tell there was no cohesiveness and, and lack of discipline across the board. And I think that led to a big, big uh, failure and to the downfall of the offense going down the stretch. Now, Freddie, you you weren't. I get. I take it you weren't a big Shannon Dawson guy. But, but Jared, mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard you say you didn't think last year was Shannon Dawson's fault. Are you more sympathetic to him maybe than than I am or than Freddie or others? Um, I think I think everything's going to fall onto Shannon. Oh, we were terrible because he was a bad offense coordinator. If you go back, and I've talked to a couple of the guys that were on the team, that locker room was as divided as it got. And why do you think that is? Why I think a lot of it had to do with the boom quitting. And I, I think a lot of it is when you're not winning, little things bug you to death. Gotcha. And they can just drive a freaking wedge in between everybody. And then when you don't win, and then you don't win again, or it's a close game, and you know we're supposed to blow out Eastern, and we won it on the last drive – those type of things can start to separate, and I hate saying that, but then you get the boom situation, and it just made everything out of you were You're around it a lot, Nick, I mean, out there. They were clearly, by the end of the year, split. Did that happen when they started losing, or did it happen, was it like that day one? How did you see that develop? I, I, I think it started when the Auburn game was always the big target at the beginning of yeah. the year. The fans, everybody saw that as a big moment. And then how they lost. How they lost, how it happened, how they fell flat. They had another chance to redeem themselves. Because the Florida weekend was another huge weekend. They came out flat then. They couldn't get that big moment to really bring everybody together. And then to get blown out by Tennessee on Halloween night when they were in the black uniforms. From there, I think it was a lot more people looking out for me and a lot of those guys who thought – they liked what football did for them, I think, more than So, is it better this year with the players? I think – Do the, you sense unity? Yes, because of how they, – they really talked about Preach being selfless in the preseason, and that's big on the new coaches. Um, Eddie, Eddie Grant, he, he's got that militaristic kind of style where – Okay, but now here's – let me just say, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is what worries me. Okay, so back to my point, we need an intellectual guy. Eddie Grant on paper looks like an intellectual guy. He's got their wire rim glasses, et cetera. And then he goes and makes a moronic statement at that ladies' clinic. Now, I'm not saying that he's disqualified from that, but somebody who's smart you would think would not have thought that was a good idea. How do I read Eddie Grant? He is a disciplinarian. He is but we already had those, didn't we? No, we didn't. We didn't, okay. have, we didn't have a guy, especially in offense. Offense, you got to be on top of your game. Defense is reactionary. It's the exact opposite with offense. Neil Brown was a scripted, this is how we're going to do things, and that's how he is. That's how Darren Henshaw is. Henshaw says the quarterback should know every read, every route, everything against every kind of defense. So they're very on top of their P's and Q's, whereas there was a lot of shooting from the hip in the previous administration. Talk to me, Freddie. Talk me into Eddie Grant and tell me why beyond – I mean, again, I don't care so much about the joke. I don't want people writing me going, oh, you're too politically correct. But it's not about that. It's about what it symbolizes about his decision-making. Should I care about that? I mean, talk me into Eddie Grant. I I don't – no, I don't think you should care about that. Okay. It was a lapse in judgment. Here's what I saw in, in actuality and, and practicality. I saw Kentucky run four more plays in practice than it took the time to run one play last year. Okay. To me, that is structure, organization, discipline, and having a plan. The statement that he made today is you can't make the, cl- uh, the club in the tub. That's an old football saying, but I don't feel last year, Matt, that Kentucky offensively, if a player was not performing or was lagging around the training room, he still started and played. 
if a player had the drops and did, and lacked effort, and we're talking about the receiver core, Damn he man. still plays. I do not think that that's still the case now. I, I like the structure. I like how Eddie Grand has a plan, and he's going to stick to it. But he, he he manages egos, and it's it's team first with him. And I did not see that last year. Well, that's good. That's that that's good to hear. Now the question would be. It was clear to me, regardless of if Shannon Dawson was a good coach or not, that that Mark Stoops did not trust him. No, and I'm not even totally sure he trusted Neil Brown. I think he trusted him more. I think maybe he trusted him, but didn't. To- they weren't on the same page. But Stoops was willing to take a st- step back and go, "All right, it's his," even if he didn't love it. Does he trust this guy, Jared? Do you think? I think so. I think he has the experience that brings the trust there. Um, I think that. Say what you will. I think a lot of it, you know, when you, I think when Neil came in, it was here's your offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? It was. It was handed to him. Yeah, it was here you go. You're the ex Kentucky guy. You're the air raid guy. Now we can team you with the football or the defensive guy. Um, I think that Eddie has earned it. Um, I think that he deserves it. I hope that we're handing him over the keys and, and, and Mark sits back and let him do what he does. Let him worry about the. So who's going to be the guy, okay, Jared or Nick? or excuse me, Freddie or Nick, who's going to be the guy who says, okay, you know, big game pick, like managing the clock. Because I love Mark Stoops, but it, it, it strikes me that's not something he can no, do. It's he not he just doesn't seem something he's good at. Freddie, who does that? Well, Eddie Grant is also the associate head coach. Okay, so he's so, the guy. Yeah, offensively he's going to take care of it, but having that seasoned veteran in Stoops' ear – will help him in those situations. And, and he said at one of those kickoff luncheons, like those three were on the same staff with Jimbo down at Florida State. There's a lot of familiarity there. So th- they know th- they know how each one of them is going to react in certain situations. So I, I, I toured the, the football facility. and It's I, awesome. It, it's amazing. I mean, just from a niceness standpoint. Now, granted, I've only been in like one other one. I've been in South Carolina's. But, but Freddie, Jared, talk to me about, as a practical standpoint, beyond the fact that it's like, oh, this looks cool, right. what the new facility means. Um, well, for me, it's everything's in one spot. I don't need to worry about going here, going there. Oh, you know, it's game day. Did I remember to pack everything? Because if not, we got to run over to Nutter and we got to get extra pads. Or extra. Everything is there. You know, you get done with practice, you go to the cold tub. You get done with the cold tub, you go right to your locker. Oh, I got to go study. I can go upstairs. Meeting rooms right there. Just a we're, we're creatures of habit. Football players are the biggest creatures of habit I've ever met in my entire life. And if you can put us all in one spot, we're going to be perfectly fine. You we think can that helps teamwork? Oh, well, or, you're or chemistry, I yeah, more right? You're around each other yeah. more. Um, yeah, I mean, without a doubt, the more you see each other, you're going to be eating with them. You're going to be cracking up with them. There's more off-the-field work that you guys can do together where you guys are actually – you know, you can trust as a senior or an upperclassman, you can trust the younger guy because you get to know him, know his personal life, and get to know, um, you know, what he does off the field. Freddie? There's two words that I think of, Matt, privacy and accountability. Privacy meaning you walked into the old Nutter Center, you walk right into the coach's office lobby, you're liable to step in, step in the way of Mark Stoops or DJ Elliott. There were a lot of distractions. Now there's three layers of security just to get to where the coaches and players are. I walked in last year and I saw Cash Daniel walking down the hall wearing a towel. I didn't want to see Cash Daniel walking down the hall with a towel. So the privacy is great. Accountability second because if you have a facility that's nice enough, you know, the basketball has the, the coal lodge or whatever and that $4 million locker room, kids want to be in there. Yeah. So now you have a facility that kids want to be in. You have accountability and you can create a more structured and disciplined environment for them because you're around them, like more, just like Jared said. So accountability and privacy. All right. So now we go into this year. The sort of, in some level, all the excuses are off the table, right? Like now you have the facilities. Mm-hmm. Now you have the talent for the most part. Now you've got the stadium. Um, you've you got the you know you got your roster. So 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 here we are. Drew Barker, I guess, is is the starting point. I watched him pretty intently at the scrimmage. He had a really bad first drive or two, and then he settled down and was, I thought, really good. Probably the best I'd seen play from, from, from then on. What, what is weird for me, I'm not trying to judge him as a quarterback. I just go by what people tell me. And I get the sense that they are cautiously optimistic about him, but they are cautious, right? Do you agree with that, Nick? And what does that say, that that's how the coaches are? 
I think it's a, a lot of it goes back to recruiting and we look at we see the highlight reels and you see the flashes of greatness and so you think that's all the time well these kids have to grow up and learn how to do it consistently and when they put Drew in last year he came in right away against Vanderbilt and threw a touchdown to Ryan Timmons he it, did it happened quickly and then from there, it kind of all crumbled. That first half against U of L was bad. So I get why they're very unsure. So what they've really preached. But, but is the cautiousness based on last year, or is the cautiousness cautiousness based on what they're seeing in practice? I, I I think it's more of as a whole they've hyped up all this young class a lot, and they've yet to see them do it on a consistent basis. So they want to try to keep it together as long as they can to try to string together to some consistency. What's your answer to that question? It's dude? practice. I mean, everybody calls, well, he's a gamer. What if he's not? But see, isn't that the worry, though? That's I mean, isn't the biggest that, fear. The, the, the thing about him has always been, I mean, I, people laugh at me that I compare him to Johnny Menzel because he's not been nearly as good. But the notion, that, I always heard that name because people would say, well, if you went and watched Johnny Menzel in practice, he sucked. You, you got to see him in the game. Is that, that that's what they're hoping me. for. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you can hope in one hand, right? But I'm just saying, it, 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 for me, that's where my cautious uh, attitude comes from is, man, I'm hoping that this guy plays way better than he practices. I mean, you say it yourself, the first two drives of a scrimmage were terrible. And then he played really well. Well, that's great. Well, magnify that by a, a thousand times. And, and you've got the first game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean – it. We're, I'm cautiously optimistic. Look, I'm all about giving the kids second chances. I got it. You know, he made some mistakes way back in when I think bringing it to the forefront the other day when they said, look, your, your brand was, was terrible. Your brand was terrible. I think that's awesome that they've recognized the problem. Um, but, yeah, I'd be, I'm cautious as heck with the kid. What about you, Freddie? I did, <clears throat> I did not trust uh, or nor believe in a Drew Barker until recently. Uh, I I was in there. But what has he done? His, what did he do to make you? I mean, well, I, I can I say all brand, the right stuff, but. I, I thought his brand stunk. And then I watched him in that open practice, and I watched uh, – I interviewed him after the spring game, after watching him being efficient. I can see the difference in it. Okay, uh, but, but I, when you say you can see I, – I, I, first of all, I agree with you, Freddie. I can see, even in talking to him once, a yeah. difference as a personality. But yeah. isn't the issue here – like Mitch Barnhart told me, look, Matt, I promise you, he's a different human being. Okay, let's just say I accept that. But yeah. the issue is still, can he play, right? Yeah, what are you yeah. seeing on the field that, I mean, that I'm not? I'm seeing a higher completion percentage, Jared, in completable balls. I'm seeing him not throwing an arrow route or a flare route and throwing it at the, at the running back or tight end's feet. Okay. I'm seeing a, a, a great increase in mechanics. Quarterbacking is the waist down. And I'm seeing a 100% increase in the fundamentals and the mechanics of throwing the football uh, in Drew Barker that I didn't see last year. That's got to do with Darren Henshaw. Shannon Dawson was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. It's hard to do both. So having a dedicated quarterback coach that's going to coach drills, individual skills, and throwing motion, I think has benefited Drew Barker. But I, uh, I do believe he's matured, grown, and developed. I think he's going to be better. But I still have to see it on September 3rd. Okay, so, so do we – all right, so, so let me go back to the scrimmage for a second. All right, so it was interesting to hear what, what – here was where I saw him make mistakes. First of all, he didn't make bad decisions. Like, he had no turnovers. Or anything. Right. But, like, the little swing pass, you know, yeah. to, he would throw it 10 yards over the guy's head or something. You, you know what I mean? Like, like it was the little stuff. He made some big-time throws, Freddie. Like, he made throws that you'd be like, oh, that's a great yeah. throw. He scrambled. But, like, it would be like little plays, and he would – and it would be – and wasn't that the issue last uh, let, year? Let me tell you one thing, and Freddie, I don't know if you agree. One of the hardest routes, in the, by the way, to throw is the flare. Okay, fair the enough. Hard, it the is hardest. the hardest ball All right, fair throw. enough. Yeah. So so, but not that I'm saying – everybody's like, oh, well, it's only a seven or eight, ten-yard throw. No, hard as hell. It is really yeah. hard. Okay. All right, good. Um, the deep throws, he's going to make. Okay. He, he does them and does them, does them. Easiest throws in the world to make. Long balls, outs, because you're just placing the ball. I don't you know, know anything I mean? yeah. about this, so let me ask the three of you, Freddie, you start. In terms of system, does the system of how Darren Henshaw and Eddie Grand call plays fit what Drew Barker does? Yes, it does, in my opinion. Uh, due to the fact that you're going to have multiple tight ends, there are going to be more easier completions this year. Last year with Shannon Dawson, any critical down, he's throwing the fade route. So the completion percentage lowered. Uh, I like that. And also – with the strength of his offensive line at guard, center guard, you're going to have a strong running game in the interior of the line of scrimmage 
thus opening up play action passes. And for the first time since Stoops has been here, you're not going to see defenses have the ability to stack the box and just try to stop the run and no threat on the outside because tight ends and you have some good with Juice Johnson and those guys, some good interior field route runners. I think that opens it up, but I like the inside trap game, power game, and, and stretch replays that he's going to run offensively on the ground will open up the passing game. Am I wrong, Nick, to like Steven Johnson as a second option, but to be nervous if he ever became the first one? Yes, because look what happened with us against Louisville last year. When you're bringing in a replacement, he's a dynamic threat. So they can do different things with it, and you aren't relying on him to run the exact same offense that Drew was running. So yeah, so he could be good if Drew got hurt for one game, but you'd be worried the next game. Exactly, when you have people that can game plan for him. Yeah. But when you get thrown a running quarterback, it changes it, – it makes the guy sitting on the outside on an island think twice about making a move, and that's all he needs to bust one open. He looked to me, Jared, like a – better Jalen Whitlow. And what I mean about that is I always felt like with Jalen Whitlow, there were some throws he couldn't make. Yeah. But he didn't really do stupid things too often. No. And he could get you out of situations, mm-hmm. and he could make the short throws. Yep. I, I I thought that's kind of what Steven Johnson did. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Nick. He is one of those guys you could bring in, hey, if Drew got hurt in the second quarter, and he would be – he could be awesome. Okay. I mean, he could definitely – he could rush for 200 yards. We would never know. But then when people get the game plan against him and realize what he can and can't do – and then be able to stack the box, then I would be a little bit worried about his throw. Freddie, he can't throw deep. I mean, I, I saw him attempt – listen, I saw him run well, and I saw him throw really good 10-yard throws. Mm-hmm. But when yeah. he tried to throw mm-hmm. it longer than 10 yards, I'm not sure he connected all day. You know, that's odd, Matt, because I watched three or four of his junior college games last year, and that's that was his strength was the deep ball. So, Well, maybe it's just uh, a one-off I, thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but No, but it, it's been mentioned all throughout camp that he struggled with the deep ball, so I, I find that odd. Uh, I think he can – eventually grow into that throw. A lot of the deep ball throws that he's making now, he's got to use, get used to the speed that he's throwing against. So the windows are smaller. Uh, he has to place it more. But I, I think, you know, you watch his junior college film, he was a pocket passer. He was not a runner. So I, I'm very confident in Steven Johnson and would have no qualms whatsoever to see him in packages or see him in pre-designed uh, a series of repetitions. How much of a leash does Drew Barker get this year? So let's say it's halftime against Southern Miss and Kentucky's down 21-10 or 21-7. Do they come? He's, yeah, he's still in. Still in. So does it take a Southern Miss loss to put him? I think it takes a Southern Miss loss, a Florida loss. Okay. And then I think coming back home. So you believe he was, that he drew, this is Drew Barker's team? This is team. Drew Barker's Total. Team. Yeah, they, they don't want to hit that to be in the back of his mind gotcha. too. They want him comfortable and confident. I think he's in the a mental kid right now. All right, he needs let's, that. Let's switch gears to the running back, specifically Boom Williams. All right, so I want your honest opinion here. Let's leave aside what's going to happen this year. If it was up to the three of you individually and you were the head coach, would Boom Williams be on the team? No. No. Nick? Yeah, he's too good. Freddie? He would have had to fought his way back on the team in my day, Matt. So, but that didn't so, ask you. So, if you were the coach, would you? What do you think? Yes, I'd have let him back on after okay. after a series of events. Yes. Now, I that shocks me, Freddie. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm getting soft. Somebody quit on you, and you're going to be like, "Yeah, come on back." Yeah, but you know, I'd, I'd have had to, to know the circumstances and everything going on off the field. I mean, there, there's things that we don't know about the situation. I understand, but I'm saying yes. And, and to be it, fair, to be fair to Boom, to be fair to Boom. He has had a bunch of difficulty since then, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. So, so, I, so, so I, I want now that the, that decision's been made. I hope everybody supports. Oh, like, one thousand percent. Now that that's happened, yeah. But at the time, I mean, I think he was a big cause. Now, I noticed in the uh, Freddie, I noticed in the scrimmage, he was the one non-quarterback that had the "do not hit" jersey on. Or is that is that just because he's so good, or are they really worried about lingering injuries? What's that about? Yeah, yes. I, I think they're still concerned about his elbow and things. I mean, there, there's no reason. He's shown what he can do. But uh, today, Eddie Grant said he's been out there doing everything, even with the red jersey. So, I, I think he has to prove himself to a point. Eddie Grant said today that it would not be smart for any running back to miss practice time due, the, due to the freshman coming on in competition. Uh, but I wouldn't be concerned with Boone's red jersey so much. You, you'll see that a lot of places. I mean, in the NFL, running backs never get hit. Okay, yeah, well, which do, makes yeah, sense to yeah, me. They, they take such a beating. I mean, Mikael Horton got hurt in that game. Right. In yeah, the you, scrimmage. You, so. just get, you just get pounded on 
don't take the that. SEC Network today said that Kentucky's got one of the five best running back cores in the league. Nick, do you agree with that? And I have to say to you now again, what do I know? But I, Benny Snell and the Rose kid, I think his name's AJ. Mm-hmm. They both look great to me in what I saw. You throw in JJ or JoJo, JoJo Kemp, and you throw in Boom. I mean, it looks like we got quite a group, right? And even ha- the Mahone kid broke one for seventy-five yards in that game. And, and most importantly, we have a coach who knows how to deal with multiple personalities like that. Because he, I mean, he he was the coach for Auburn when they had Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown, two great so, ones. Yeah. So if he could manage both of those guys at the same time, I know he can get these guys in the right situations because. I mean, last year there was times when Boom was doing everything for you and then we wouldn't give him the ball. And then there's times where you're on the goal line, you need a big body, and you're not putting Mikel Horton into the game. So, situationally, they're going to be better than they've been before. And they've got the experience, and they've got a coach who's teaching them to run vertically. You know, he there was one thing Grant talked about Boom is he's none of this dancing side-by-side stuff. He's become a vertical back, and especially with the interior of the offensive line being their best part, you're going to see a lot of north-south running. Freddie, the weirdness of who would play when, when you were talking about personnel things, is, I never understood when we would play what running back. Was yeah. that kind of what you were referring to? Matt, I think the running backs the last three years have been been poorly coached. Uh, especially last year, I think it really showed its ugly, reared its ugly head at times, critical times, because I couldn't make sense of who we're getting carried. Boom would have 120 yards on seven carries and then not get another carry for a quarter. I couldn't make rhyme or reason of it. So I feel with Eddie Grant coaching the running backs, he's put 20-something running backs in the NFL. He's proven. He's not going to take any crap over those guys. I talk about receivers being divas in a meeting room. So are running backs. So I think having that force of saying, listen, you do this off the field, you're late to practice, you do that, you're not going to play. And I think he has the cojones to tell a Boone Williams you're not doing it right. You're not going to play. And I don't think that was the case in the past. Do you think this is a top five group, Jerry? Top five. I do. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, that's right. I'm Jerry. You're Freddie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think top five's pushed up. I, I mean, it's hard to go against what they're doing out there. I mean, you put the names out there. You, I mean, Boom obviously is going to lead. JoJo's done some great things throughout his career as well. I, I love and I love it that I love that Boom's getting pushed. Because I don't think last year he was. I think he was the high eye almighty. God, it's Boom Williams. Look how great he is. And, uh, you know, he kind of got, I think, a little bit complacent. But now that he's getting pushed and we got somebody that's going to be able to deal with him like that, I love it. All right, I need to take a break here to tell you about Blue Apron. Freddie, or, or Jared, I need to get you involved on Blue Apron, okay? Because Blue Apron is the way to eat. All right, they deliver you a meal for less than $10 per meal. They'll deliver you everything you need to do to cook. Do you like to cook? I do love to cook, actually. They, for, so, for instance, let me tell you what. If you had ordered in August, what all you could get. Spiced pork burgers with goat cheese and cucumber corn salad. Oh. Summer vegetable bowl with fairy tale eggplants. What is a fairy tale eggplant? Shishito peppers and corn. Chicken tinga tacos with summer squash. I like chicken tinga, I have to tell you. That's, that's my kind of thing. Japanese ramen noodles wild Alaskan salmon with heirloom tomatoes. And the thing is, I've ha- I, you know, I have it. They'll deliver it to your house, and it's all it's right there. It's probably perfect for being single. It's Well, first of all, I think it's good for two things. It's good for being single or for you and a like spouse. Oh, okay. So, like, like you all have date night and you cook together. Gotcha. So, so I think it's perfect for either one of those. That's what I would do if I was into Blue Apron. So, and if, you, if you're going to do a date and you're like, look what I can do. So, rather than spend all the money at high-end grocery chains – they will get you the exact food and ingredients you need for your recipe, all like, you know, farm to plate. Isn't that what people farm say? Farm to table. Farm to table. Yep. All that. An easy meal, and they will each show you how to cook them in less than 40 minutes. That's incredible. That's amazing. Freddie, you should get this right now. Blueapron.com slash KSR. I'm you getting get it right now, man. Three meals free. Look at this. I just told you. I'm giving you three meals free. At blueapron.com slash KSR. If they're going to do this, we can feed the world, make it a better place. Blueapron.com slash KSR. Try it. I promise you. I don't do a lot of promises. I promise you you'll enjoy it. Blueapron.com slash KSR. All right, back to it. Let's start with you, Nick. Wide receivers. Uh, If you listen to the show, I really liked Taven Richardson. I thought he was really good. But I also noticed that Dorian Baker – 
there were some guys that had drops, but he wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, is Dorian Baker going to be a touchdown maker this year or no? Well, please let me answer. Let me answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Today, today, Drew said that he really liked where Dorian's head was at. Um, and I hope it's on his shoulder. Now, it's not. Now, Eddie Grant it, it at least did acknowledge that he he always is great with the spectacular catches. It's the, the easy ones. It's the easy ones and how he handles it. I sure as hell hope so. But if he doesn't, you mentioned Taven Richardson is one guy. I really guy. like him. Jeff Bidette was one guy. The, the other guy, Jabari Greenwood, he was the he's outside good. receiver that was great in the open practice. So, if he's not, there's multiple options. But I think – he at least has his mind right because he's another guy who's entering his third year. Your first two years of college, you do a lot of stupid things. That was I got all my stupid stuff out first two years. Started to kind of figure things out in the but third year. But you couldn't year. play, so exactly that's the difference. I'm not a Fre- Freddie. Uh, you know, in watching that, if you just watch, it looks like we've got like ten guys who can catch. I mean, yeah. like Dakota Holtzclaw's six seven, and he was running third team and actually made some impressive catch. So it seems like they shouldn't be beholden to Dorian or if Ryan Timmons is dropping balls, et cetera. There's an argument out there, Matt, that Kentucky has the best receiving core potential-wise in the SEC East, and I would support that. Uh, you look at Jabari Greenwood, Nick mentioned earlier, was the number one receiver in Washington, D.C. area two years ago. Taven Richardson comes from Burns High School, a national power in South Carolina, added to the group that's already there. Very talented, but underachieved. Uh, I, I feel that the receiver core as a group is as good as I've seen in many years at Kentucky. But between the ears, Lamar Thomas has got to get those guys straightened out between the ears. And in the hard issue, I think Kentucky's really good position to receiver. Jared, you're the quarterback. You get back, you look. Let's say these are my ten guys. And Lamar Thomas is the coach of those ten guys. Yeah. You confident? And about nine of them, yeah. <laughs> so um. you just not – all right, well, let's, let's explore this because you don't want to pick on a kid. But you are clearly anti-Dorian Bay. Yes. Why is that? Uh, because of exactly what we've said. The kid is – the most talented kid I've ever seen step onto a field at receiver. At he Kentucky, you looks, mean? I, I, he looks like Terrell Owens to me. The way he's built, the way – just the body of him. And I see so much that he can do. And I'm like, the dude, he can So run. why don't you think it happens for him? It's, he's a head case. Okay. And it's – it almost seemed like when the past two years, it's I am so cool. Look how cool I am. I'm t- I'm Dorian Baker, the touchdown maker. Look at me. <laughs> and that's my nickname for him. I don't know if other I think people I think do. I definitely think they do. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, I got a one-handed catch. Look how great it was. Now it's a five-yard stop. That's all right. I don't need to catch that one. Okay. And he'll like knock it down. And I, I just think that I I'm not I get on the kicks. I, I really think he can be great. I really think he has NFL caliber. Potential. But if you were the quarterback for this group, would you go in and go, okay, this is a group I can do something with? Oh, God, yeah. I I would be looking back. If I'm uh, uh, Drew Barker right now, I'm going to – I could throw for 4,000 yards easily this year. Is this, Freddie, depth-wise, is this the most depth Kentucky's had at receiver ever? Uh, I can go back to the cursey years, Matt. I can't go farther than that. This is the most depth that I've seen. Kentucky have in that span of time uh, at wide receiver. I mean, you have you have three or four number one or go-to receivers in that collection, and then the depth is there. And, and what I see uh, with Eddie Grant, uh, I go back to the adult supervision. I see the offense now having adult supervision with Eddie Grant that will negate any of those attitude and heart questions that we've seen last year. And that was the and, and the year before. So I, I like that about it, but I think it's the, the deepest and most talented group that I can remember, Matt. And Dorian wasn't pushed last year. Let me ask you about Lamar I Thomas mean, then. Lamar Thomas is uh, clearly one of the loudest and certainly awesome. the most entertaining. Yep. Is he a good coach? I, I think so. All of the Louisville fans would say, oh, he didn't even coach it in the year, are full of crap. And they talk a lot about how depth makes competition – and what he did, he turned that competition and put it in the meeting room and put their playbooks in the order of the depth chart. So if you played bad today, but you were a first stringer, you're moving up to the third row. You're moving back a notch to where they're physically seeing the results day to day of how they're playing. And if that doesn't motivate you, then nothing will. If I'm him, I, the first day I walked in, I turned on 
the U and all that kind of stuff. And then I've sat down and put all my rings out there and said, shut up, don't listen. You don't, you all are nothing. You have done nothing. Look what I have done. Listen to me. And from there on, they can't say another word. They really can't. Yeah. Well, all right. So and look, I hope they, I'm hoping that they're doing everything you're saying. Let me ask you a question. Charles Walker got the uh, – Heisman. Uh, yes, for Heisman. <laughs> he got the scholarship. You've been, so cool. you, you've been a part of that. How cool is that? It's the, it's the neatest thing. Um, I wish we would have done more of something like that where, you know, we announce it in front of everybody every year because we can do it every year. Um, but to see that was – it was awesome. And it's, we were scholarship limited, so we couldn't give a whole bunch of scholarships. Yeah. Um, but to see somebody like Charles get it and deserve it and the way that the team reacted was exactly what I expected. I mean, the guy's just an absolute stud out there, so I love I love that he got the scholarship. Freddie, there's nothing less sexy than the offensive line. But, uh, <laughs> but this tell him that. But the, <clears throat> offense, the offensive line here looks in the starting five to be very solid. I mean, it looks like with, I guess, I'm going to see, this will tell you how far I've come. I may be able to name the entire starting line. All right, here we go. Toth, Myers, Meadows, Mosier, and, oh, oh what am so I missing? So Toth, who's the other one? Nick Haynes. Nick Haynes, I wouldn't have gotten that. And then with Asafo Ajay and a couple other people, maybe off the bench. It looks to me, Freddie, like a good core group at the top, but you don't want to get too far down the depth chart. Am I right? Uh, Matt, at interior, guard, center guard, Kentucky has uh, first and second team players that are SEC-level players. Starting at center with Toth and then Bunchy Stallings. Bunchy, in my opinion, was the most improved player in the spring. Guard, Haynes and Myers experience, but then behind them, Logan Stanberg from Alabama. Yes. Uh, 6'6", 300. I think Which, he's by the way, there was no person I heard screamed at more, uh, both pro and con, in that yeah. spring game than Stenberg. John Schlarman <laughs> yeah. screamed, Stenberg, so yeah. much that it got ingrained in my head, Freddie. Yeah, he's learning. But he and, and Sophomore Jay, I think, are going to be big-time players at Kentucky. Tackle, I have concerns. But Cole Moser, I mean, we've doubted him. He's been a walk-on. He's not sexy, as you said. He solidified that left tackle position. Uh, right tackle Kyle Meadows struggled last year, struggled a little bit in the spring game, but he's put on about 10 pounds. Uh, he's got, he has experience there. Kentucky needs to find a third offensive tackle. How's our boy and, doing? And I think that will be uh, uh, Landon Young. Landon. Landon looked good in the thing I saw. He p- replaced Tate Levitt. Like, Tate Levitt was second string. They took him out and made him third string. Let me ask you, can, can Cole Moser do, Jared, a, a – uh, uh, Jordan Swindle Memorial false start in the first game, why, just so why that wouldn't he? just so that we can get it. Yeah, uh, why wouldn't he? Uh, <laughs> do you like the offensive line? Uh, I lo- I love our first five. I really do, and I-, I hate saying it because I hate agreeing with Freddie all the time. But uh, Toth's incredible. I mean, our 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 center two guards are right. I'll put them with anybody. I really will. That's why. Again. I think it, the emphasis is on running vertical with the running backs. Is get up there because you're our best. If you if we go out wide, we could be in some trouble. What happened, Freddie, with the Tate Levitt kid? Because I watched and he got absolutely destroyed in the game I saw, and Landon Young ended up replacing him. I thought he was like a junior college All American. What, what yeah, happened man, he, there? He came from Hutchinson Junior College, which is like Wisconsin. Just turns out Division One uh, offensive lineman. I, when I evaluated Tate, I, I projected him to a guard. I didn't project him to tackle. Uh, his arms aren't the, the perfect length that you want. His, his body arms type, aren't it, the perfect length. All right, go ahead. <laughs> his legs, I mean, he, he's heavy torso and his legs are shorter. I, I thought he'd better fit as a guard. So uh, he may be, be kicked inside there to guard. He may be able to play there. But, uh, you know, that just happens. He, he just – I think he's more of a guard. But I, with Landon Young, you can kick Asafo a Jay out to tackle. He played that last year. Kentucky's going to have a good rotation of ones and twos. Again, first time that Stoops has had depth at the offensive line. All right. So, all that said, Nick, it looks to me – and then go Jared and Freddie. It looks to me we should have, if Drew Barker is good, a really good offense. Fair? Very fair. Most points we've scored on average. Freddie was tweeting out the numbers last week of what they've done in the past, but they should be right in the 33 to 35 range a game. Jared? Um, I think if Drew Barker's I, good. If Drew Barker is good, um, I, I put us at about yeah, right under 30. I think 28, 29 points a game. Yeah, but that's not enough. Isn't it? Well, I don't know if it's enough with our defense to yeah. win a lot of games. I think we got to be in the 30s a lot. 
All right. Well, then you're, that's why you think they're only winning four. Freddie, uh, <laughs> do you think the offense, if Drew Barker's good, is good? Yeah, first of all, I think Drew Barker has to be good. I think he has to be great. He's not elite enough to hit your wagon to yet. So uh, I got him at 32.7 points per game. That's an eight-point increase. See, I had him at 32.6. You're an idiot. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it, I look at TCU was 6-6 six and six in, in, in uh, their first year in the Big 12. Got a new coordinator, new quarterback. I'm not going to say Kentucky's going to do this, but uh, TCU averaged 25 points per game. The next year they averaged 47 points a game. I think Kentucky can surely, with Drew Barker playing good, that offensive line and, a, and an excellent skill group average 32.7. And, Matt, I do agree Kentucky's going to have to average over 30 points a game to have a chance. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. Um D, let's start with the good part, secondary. Uh, they lost Darius West. I don't get the sense, uh, Nick, that that's a huge – excuse me, a huge loss. Blake McClain can move in and probably be okay. But but take that position out. Is it fair to say, Westry, Beatty, uh, Edwards, that that's like a really good group? Really good. And we've got him for a while. I've – I've never seen a time when a Kentucky secondary has been great other than Trevard Lindley when he made that interception in the Music City Bowl. That yeah, was he was great. Him and Marcus McClinton. So we've got another Mick in the back and Mick Wilson in the back. And I always get those guys confused. There's like six or seven guys that are pretty interchangeable. Um, and I, it's great, but you don't want to put, you can't only have a great secondary. All right, I want to get to that. But, so. but, but, but just the secondary. Oh, they're fa- Chris Westry, Freddie, I mean, there's no dude I've ever seen that talks more trash, but he's really good, right? Like, are we talking? Is he like? Is he? Where will he go in the NFL draft one day? If he continues on the path that he's on now, uh, trending from last year, increases it this year, uh, Matt, I think he's a three-year player and he's a first-rounder. Wow! But I would also that say good. that Derek, yes, Derek Beatty's not that far behind him, if any, behind him. Uh, you know, I agree. Uh, with the SEC network that Kentucky could have the best cornerback tandem in the Southeastern Conference. All right, so now, Jared, explain to me as a quarterback, because we're going to get to the defensive line and the issues there, but explain to me as a quarterback, you are playing against, let's just assume this is the best cornerback pair in the mm-hmm. SEC, and that Mike Edwards really good and McLean serviceable. Mm-hmm. If you know that you're not going to face pressure, you still think you can eat him up? I'll kill him. Explain. 100%. Because I don't have any – defensive backs are taught to four seconds tops to cover. All right, anything more than four, they're done. I mean, even four seconds is a lot. I know I'm not getting rushed, so I don't have to get the ball out in 1.8, 2.0. I can wait probably 2.5 to get the ball out. You're, you're done. You, can't, you cannot cover for that long. So you, if as a quarterback, you would always want the other team's strength – to be their DBs. To be their DBs. Yeah, as long as I know their weakness. I mean, a, a, a good weakness is their D-line. And you're going to have to blitz me to get pressure. Oh, yeah. Give me give me a great DB because my receivers know where they're going. And if you're going to blitz me in man-to-man, I'm going to run slants. I'm going to run goes. I'm going to run outs and hitches. And I'll, I'll kill you on it. Freddie, I'm, I'm, I don't know anything. But I don't, look, I don't understand why everyone's so negative about our linebackers. I mean, I look at Courtney Love, Daniel Lasseter, Eli Brown, Jordan Jones, et cetera, and I think, why can't these guys be good? They're super athletic. They're going to make mistakes because a lot of them are young, but I just look at these elite athletes and say, why can't they be good? Am I wrong about that? I don't think you're wrong at all, Matt. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm under the impression this year that I'm giving these young defensive linemen a chance to develop and a chance to improve. Uh, they were all recruited for a reason. Uh, let them – give them a chance. Let them develop. So the, the sky is not falling, in my opinion. I would go even this far. Tamir DeBose, who's not played I – mean, Well, I'm talking linebackers. Is DeBose, oh, linebackers. Yeah, okay, linebackers. linebackers. I, I, no, defensive I line, I am negative about. But linebackers, I, I, no, I'm positive. I'm very positive, and I'll tell you why. Is due to De Niro Laster can play any place, any of the four positions. Josh Allen, a two-star out of New Jersey, played as a true freshman because of Jason Hatcher's situation. I think Josh Allen is going to be a star, too. So Denzel Ware and Josh Allen on the outside, I think, are very good. Uh, Courtney Love, I want to see a little bit more out of him. And I'm liking Eli Brown there beside of him, a lot more so than Jordan Jones due to 
uh, consistency and practice. Eli Brown, a four-star kid out of Bowling Green, I think big things on the horizon for him. Why is everybody so negative about the linebackers, Nick? I mean, I just listened to that. I had I've totally forgotten about the Josh Allen kid. I mean, and then Denzel Ware. Like, why? That looks like, to me, a position that can be good. Because it's such an unknown quantity. Because the guys that are – you're relying so heavily on a couple of guys that were transfers – and you naturally, when you think of a transfer from another school, well, he wasn't good enough to play there. So I think the fact. <laughs> but I'll take a transfer from Nebraska. <laughs> but the fact that we're relying on them so heavily, on outside, they're going to be fine because Denzel Ware is going to be great. He had a solid redshirt freshman season, what you'd expect. He's going to be great. He made a lot of plays. But you can only do so much, especially when you got questions in the middle at linebacker and at the middle of the defensive line, if I'm another team, I just run it right up the middle and okay, make you stop Okay, so let's me. talk about that. All right, so, by the way, we forgot to talk about C.J. Conrad and Greg Hart. We'll come back to that in the tight ends. But let's talk about, I mean, the weakness of the team's clearly on the defensive line. And really, Jared, it's up the middle, right? Yep. Like, like it, And a lot of people are going to blame that on Matt Elam. But it's not just Matt Elam, is no. it? No. What, what, explain well, what that – Well, losing Reggie kills you, too. Yeah. Man, I mean um, – it, it, Matt, it's going to be hard for Matt to play 60 plays a game. No, he can't. I mean, he can't. He, he's going to have a hard time playing 25, 30. I mean, hopefully he can get up to 30, 35 plays. Um, we're just – And we so just then what do they the, do, Jacob Hyde? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, I have no idea where they go from right now. I, I think right now it's – they are – I don't want to say scrambling. Um, they've obviously got an idea of what they're going to be doing, but I don't know the answer. So can you scheme around that, Freddie? I mean, can you – all right, let's assume we have a great secondary and a really good linebacking core, at least a young, talented one. Can you scheme around the weakness on the D-line, or are you just screwed? No, you can scheme around that. Uh, I think what Kentucky will do is whomever, Adrian Middleton, for example, or Tamir DeBose, whoever plays that defensive tackle, they'll slide him down in an eagle look, meaning they'll put him over the guard, bring Denzel Ware or, jo- or, or, Den- uh, Denzel Ware or Josh Allen up on the line of scrimmage to get more of a – run presence. So there are ways to scheme around that. And then I, I do think in the passing situations, Kentucky's going to have to be diverse, going to have to be creative in some sub packages and other blitz components of the game. All right. To, well, can I ask you on, on that point? Okay. So let, now again, I'm going to say my controversial statement of the day. While I like him as a person, I haven't really been all that impressed by DJ Elliott in terms of creativity. Okay. So I look Freddie and I say, okay, if I have an offense, that's not very talented. Like, let's say we were our first year. Neil Brown tried to do whatever he could do, come up with crazy stuff, do whatever. If you have a serious weakness on defense, then I want to see that creativity because that that's what you need. Is that something that DJ Elliott can do? Yeah, absolutely. Or is that I something you believe he will do? Maybe a can's not the word, but will do. Matt, I, I think in year four in a must-win situation, they will throw the kitchen sink if they have to. Uh, because I, I do think the seriousness of the season is there. And Kentucky knows, Mark Stoops knows he has to win. And if he wants to put pressure on the quarterback, he's got to. Kentucky sacked the quarterback 17 times last year. That's last in the Southeastern Conference. But you rolled your eyes, so, Nick. You're not, are you not a DJ Elliott guy? Well, it just frustrated me how long he waited to do it last year. Because once he started blitzing some of the corners it and throwing the nickels, bit, yeah, it, it, it at least gave the impression that they were trying to put some pressure on the quarterback. When before, you're like, you've got to do something more than just run the base. You know, you you got to get a little bit of exotic. And that's the only part I worry about Darius West's injury. Is Blake McLean was a really good blitzer and uh, run support out of that nickel, and now they're moving him back. So you're going to rely a lot on Kendall Randolph, J.D. Harmon, some other guys to be and, in the And mix now, there. let's be fair, too. I mean, a lot of the guys he's playing are super young. Mm-hmm. They might not be able to do the exotics. Okay. I mean, there's so much uh, – guys, we're just going to put you in the position to play here. Yeah. And then a, you're trying to do an exotic blitz off of it, and then it's – you know, you got guys running wide open. So, I mean, maybe some of the stuff they couldn't. Really I assume play. the answer on offense is Drew Barker. But, Freddie, we'll start with you and go around. What's the one player on defense that must be even better than we think he is for UK to succeed? Josh Allen, outside linebacker. All right. Do, do, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You're stealing my guy. Go ahead, Freddie. Finish what you were saying. Due to the fact that, that – he and Ware are going to have to, going back to the creativity, they're going to have to get some sacks from that linebacker position. Josh Allen led the state in New Jersey, the high school. He is their true pass rush designated defender. I think he's going to have to have seven to eight sacks a year this year to make Kentucky have a successful defense. All right. 
I won't steal no, yours, Freddie. No, go ahead. I got or one. Jared. Okay, you got one. Okay, Courtney Love because a they've put him out there a lot, and he in order to be the leader of the defense, you got to be pretty good. And they really need a good run stopper in the middle. That's something that's been consistent that's with Stoops. So weird here. about you guys always seem so lukewarm on him. Clearly, they think he's going to be good because every time I ask for an interview, they give me him. Well, but well, there's a the difference. Voice. Yeah, there's well, a difference still. between doing that than like knowing your but assignments. If he, but if he wasn't going to play, they wouldn't do that. Well, I, yeah, he needs to be better though than what we expect okay, because right. we've had a Avery Williamson, we've had a Josh sure. Forrest, we've had some good NFL linebackers, and that you can't have that drop off at Kentucky. I'm taking Denzel. Okay, um, I think he needs to be a guy that learns and understands how to cover but also needs to be a heck of a pass rusher. He's got to be able to be, I, I, I guess, like a bud to okay. me. You know, well, that's be, a pretty high. I know, but I'm saying like that type of player. I don't, want, I don't think he's going to be good, that good this year. But I'm saying be able to rush and then also be able to come back and cover if he needs to. And we need him to play great. I mean, we need him to play great in order to be a halfway decent defense. All right, before we go to the season, real quick, touchofmodern.com. Freddie, when I think of you, I think of Touch of Modern because I think, Thanks, you, I think <laughs> you're a guy that sort of has a touch of modern in him. Right now, <laughs> I go to touchofmodern.com. I go to, the, to my uh, app. It's a great app. Mm. And here's what I see. A shock-resistant motorcycle watch. Oh, think about that. that. Uh, when Freddie's on his hog and his Guns of Roses shirt. <laughs> That's right. Freddie's always on a hog. His mobile, a mobile hotspot with one year of LTE internet. Ooh. How about cord free earbuds? How about pour over coffee brewers? Handmade leather bags? Uh, jewelry with secret compartments to hide your gear? And Gustas Vitae Spices. Mm. These are just examples of, you may think to yourself, well, that's all unique. You know why? Because it's modern. Because it's a touch of modern. Mm -hmm. Just enough, Jared, for you. Not too modern. When I'm thinking you're talking about it, I I am visualizing Freddie (laughs) Maggard. You should. (laughs) And just yesterday, you know what I bought from Touch of Modern? Literally yesterday. What? I bought a painting of a man with a light bulb as a head. Well, that'll go good with your elephant one right here. You're a giraffe It's a man in a suit, and instead of a head, he has a light bulb. I bet he has a good idea. That's the point. It's like supposed to be a creative. See, you get it. And also, I bought some, like, boxer briefs, too. It's a good combination. (laughs) So you can get all of these at touchofmodern.com. Touchofmodern.com has everything, including today's special deal, socks that get people talking from unsimply stitched. You can get all that and more at touchofmodern.com. When you think Freddie Maggard, you think touchofmodern.com. Freddie, let's look at the schedule. I mean, I know you guys predicted your win totals, et cetera. I say about this season, you got South Carolina, you got Vandy, you got Missouri. I think Kentucky wins two of those three games, and then they go to that Mississippi State, Georgia, Louisville, Florida quadrant, and they win one of those four. That gets us to six. That's my prediction. Does that sound unreasonable? Does not sound unreasonable, Matt. Uh, I'm looking at September 3rd. Uh, I feel if Kentucky comes out, beats Southern Miss by 10 or more points. I mean, decisively beats Southern Miss. Then I that will give me the confidence that I need uh, going into South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Mississippi State, et cetera, because I put Southern Miss right in that group of being as good as those teams. So Kentucky's going to get a good test week one. I can't wait to see it. Jared, uh, obviously you picked four and eight. I know you're a negative Nancy. Yes. But let me ask you this. How last year Kentucky was very close to going eight and four and very close to going four and eight. Exactly. Is this year like that? Are we walking an edge? Meaning like we could do your prediction and go four and eight. We could also oh, go. Oh, yeah. I mean, welcome to Kentucky football. But it's going to be like a play here, a play there. Yeah, it, it, we, we are. I think it. The Southern Miss game is going to come down to whoever has the ball last. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, and I think that I think I predicted Southern Miss to win. Um, Jerk. I know. <laughs> I, I think the Vandy team's gotten better. Um, I think Missouri's worse. They say Missouri's worse, but we got to play them on the road. And they just lost their running back. Right. We get South Carolina at home. I think I, I think I have us winning that game. But I just it, yeah. I mean, we, we could go into Missouri and kill them. But until we show that we can win on the road, until we can show that this team is together, I would love to do this 
September 4th. Well, I mean, we all would, of yeah. course. But, uh, all right, Vandy, South Carolina, Missouri, Nick, rank them in order of likelihood of winning. Uh, South Carolina, number one. They're the worst. The, yeah, we're going to blow them out of the water. Even the fact – really? Yeah. Even the, though they've, we've beaten them the last two years and conceivably they are going to want to repay us, you think that's a, not a big deal? Uh, you, we've wanted to conceivably repay Florida for 29. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I can't name a player on their roster at this point. Jones. They, they, they lost – yeah. You just Smith. Guessing Jones and Smith. That's all you can do because they've lost conceivably everybody. Um, Missouri – I think is going to be worse. I worry because for some reason we just play flat in Columbia. Because no one's there. Yes. It's like Vandy. Yeah. But I, I still put that in second. And then Vandy third because they have they have great players in good positions. They're going to have like a top 25 defense in the country this year. All right. Uh, Freddie, South Carolina. So, so should I worry at all about South Carolina or do I just put that? Let me put it like this. What's a harder win, Southern Miss or South Carolina? Southern Miss. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. guys think South Carolina is terrible. And we- the, the only only caveat I would give South Carolina is South Carolina is going to start a true freshman quarterback. Uh, uh, Brandon McElwain is a, is a true freshman, dual threat, four-star kid that can run like the wind. He's the only thing that would scare me about South Carolina. Freshmen sometimes don't know what they're doing. He may make a misread, do a bootleg that's not supposed to be a bootleg, and go for 60 yards. So, I think South Carolina would beat Vanderbilt to death. I mean, I'm sorry, South Carolina to death. Vandy would beat South Carolina. No, uh, I'm sorry, Southern Miss would beat South Carolina to death. <laughs> Boy, you got a lot of teams there. Yeah. So, Southern yeah, Miss would beat okay. – South. okay, fair enough. All right, so so really, when you look at this this group, at the end of the season, will we feel better about the program than we do today? Jared, I assume your answer is no. Actually, I think we will. Even though we're four I, and eight, I, I, yeah, I really, honestly think that. But can will fans do that? Really? Will they no, be like okay, fans won't? Okay, no. but you think people who follow it, the people that understand football, will go, look but back and it, go. Doesn't it kill them though with recruiting if they go four and eight? Oh yeah. Then how can I feel better? I, I'm I'm going to feel better as a player because I know what is going out there and what what is going into it. Right now, Eddie's got me. Hey, I'm all in with him. I think you know. I I under I understand. I trust him. I think it's going to be tough for him to adjust quickly to this, uh, to what it's like to play in the SEC, the offense, coming from what you see. Yeah, but wasn't he at Auburn? He's yeah. at Auburn and Tennessee, but well, not yeah, as but how the, long ago? Not as the head man, though. Right, not not the guy calling the plays. Okay. Um, and I and I, I really do. I think that, and I look towards, and every Kentucky football fan says, "Well, next year will be our year." I really do look at it as Drew with a year under his belt. All these guys that are super young being an extra year. That's the year that I, I am looking forward to. It was last year was the year, and then this year I put it as a dead year, and then next year is the year. That Freddie, will I feel better at the end of the year than I do now? I think you will, Matt. I think you, I, this team's going to be exciting to watch one way or the other. So I, I think all that young talent's going to be out there. And they're going to be flying around. It's going to be fun to watch, but the talent's going to be on display. 2017 is the year that I've been pointing towards because I've said all along that this is a five-year – restoration project for Mark Stoops. Kentucky loses eight players off this team for next year, so I think you're going to like the product. It's going to be fun to watch, and I do think you're going to feel good at the end of the year. That's amazing that they only lose eight players. All right, Nick, start with you, then Jared, then Freddie. Give me the one – okay, take aside Southern Miss, the two crappy teams, South Carolina, Missouri, Vandy, those six. Give me of the other six games the most likely upset. Is beating Mississippi State an upset? Well, I answer that. Is it this year? I don't think as far as yes. the X's and O's, but as far as we've never beaten Dan Mullen, and you have to be able to beat your SEC West opponent every once in a while. You, you got to beat him. Kavanaugh, I said this on the radio. He made the point to me. He, he used to write on KSR about football. Duncan Kavanaugh made the point. People always talk about the Rich Brooks years. One of the things that helped is that Mississippi State wasn't any good. Exactly. And so we got to win every year. So, so but you, you – you know that because winning those three that we talked about, I don't know if you're going to be able to get all of them. But if you can get that Mississippi State at home, remember that was the game in 07 that just took the life out of the season. Oh, no doubt. And that's what Mississippi State will do to you. I think that's probably the most important out of them all. After that, those Jared, other games are tough. Obviously, up. you're probably going to say Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean it, Mississippi State. I, I think that I mean it's going to be Georgia's just going to run all over us. Um, Florida's on the road. I mean, are you going to beat Bama? 
I mean, no. if that Florida game wasn't the and second Tennessee week on the road, be amazing. Yeah, if Florida was at home, I would say Florida. But it's gonna be 110 degrees. It's the 3:30 kickoff. Hey, hey, and Drew, hey, go play in the swamp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's got to be state. I mean, Jared, can we beat Louisville? Or Freddie. I mean, sorry, Freddie. Can we beat Louisville? It's going to be a tough task, Matt. I, I don't – as of, But let me as ask you, take 16, Lamar Jackson no. off the thing. Okay, yes, just take him out. Aren't we as good as them at that point? No. No, no we're not. No, we're not. Okay. Their defense I, I is really not, good. I would not argue anyone if they made the point that Devontae Fields is the best player in college football. Uh, outside linebacker, I think he is super elite. Same with Kelsey, their inside linebacker. And then Lamar Jackson is, is Lamar Jackson. You take those three. You know, I think Louisville's got three superiorly talented players in those three. Other than that, I mean, I, well, it's, it's, it's a fair ball game. Take their yeah. three best ones. I'm for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Devontae Fields has eaten us up in the past, yeah. too. Um, okay, well, all right. Well, first of all, guys, the, the Kentucky Sports – the KSR Football Podcast is on the Kentucky Sports Radio feed. So, it's the little – if you go to the iTunes, it's got the little old KSR logo with the yellow ball and the headphones – these guys uh, do it every week along with Drew Franklin and uh, Tyler Thompson, and they'll, they'll discuss whatever's going on in football every week. Then, Freddie, talk about what you're doing. You're doing the th- every, Freddie every, previewing every game, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to be talking to a, a subject matter expert from, from each opponent, have them on the podcast, and we're going to discuss personnel. It's going to be a, a depth chart conversation a football dork conversation right yeah absolutely uh, you know we're <laughs> going to talk about all the dorky things that i research and learn about on a nightly basis yeah. so i think it's going to be fun so all you pigskin heads who go matt you don't talk enough football if this isn't enough for you then just shut up i don't know what else you want from me okay i mean i'm doing all i can i've got these people running around Do you know how long that podcast is going to be It'd be with it, just <laughs> freddie <laughs> And I mean that with total love. But, Freddie, you got 30 seconds. Yeah, that don't apply to me. <laughs> Three and a half hours on Southern Miss depth chart. So, seriously, if you people don't like that, you can go stuff it because yeah. I've done all that I can at this point. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. Uh, okay. Follow their, their podcast. And thanks to we, – we had like 10,000 people, or 8,000 people watching Periscope today of our press conference. Appreciate it. Tomorrow, excuse me, I tape with Brittany Wagner. And uh, we will, uh, we'll, t- we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Ow!